Good morning. How's your weekend going so far? Good? Good. Some Dodger fans in the house? So your weekend's going well. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, so hard for me to be excited for Dodger fans, but I am happy for you. I, I really am. I, I, I am. So, <laughs> beyond that, I'm sure there's a lot going on in, in just in the room and just in our lives. And got, you know, I'm sure there's just a handful of challenges we're facing here and things going on that, that I'm not aware of, things that are going on that I am aware of. And so there's just, it's, there's a lot on our plates. And so we've been looking at a handful of issues, different types of trouble, and we've been talking about how to live an unfazed life through various types of trouble. Uh, but full disclosure, I, I do get phased by all the kinds of troubles that we've talked about. And so, you know, certainly distraction, intimidation, uncertainty. We looked at that last week. And I mean, I think all of us get phased by trouble. But in this series, what we're doing is we're, we're digging out from the Bible help and perspective from God and the perspective that he gives so that we can refuse to allow these types of things that we've been talking about to steal our joy and really rob us of moving forward in life. And so uh, today we're talking mostly about the area of sickness. And this subject probably stirs us up more than anything else. Okay, uh, it's, it's difficult to walk through illnesses yourself or watching others in your lives walk through illnesses uh, when people come up, especially when there's chronic issues, uh, uh, diseases, and so we're, we're going to look at all these different areas this morning and, and really look at what does the Bible have to say about these different things. And so uh, we're going to begin with a, a video from two members from our congregation. So this is a video from a, a man named Nick Karaginas and then Debbie Washke. And both of them, members here, are going to be sharing very honestly about this area and how they've been impacted by this. One is Nick is sharing about uh, his wife who passed away. And Nick was here and Debbie was here in first service. And so they were both here and uh, earlier in the, in the previous service. And But they're really being open and honest about just the way that sickness has impacted them. And so Debbie is walking through an illness herself. And so let's take a look at this video. cancer once before and we made it so the thought of her actually passed on it was like in the back of our mind that could happen but it wasn't like uh, we, we didn't plan for it to happen we, we wanted to pray and, and, and heal like she did before I think she got to the point of suffering so much that she was wanting to be with the Lord uh, A, a real joy. She always kept me laughing. Uh, we're married. Uh, 40, 49 years. I 
I didn't. I knew better. I never wanted to curse God for not doing anything bad. I knew better than that. And that would be the last thing I wanted to do. But I did question you know, why are why why are you let this happen? And uh, why aren't you answering my prayers? Let's pray again. Father, thank you again for bringing us here. And there, there is just no way possible that, that I could say anything on my own that would be a real help uh, to the many, many um, thoughts and questions and emotions that um, are here in our minds, Lord. So God, I just I ask, Father, that you would speak in a very real way through your word and even through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would guide us to the truth, that you'd block out everything else that is a distraction or things that I would say that would distract. Lord, I pray you would um, move those on through our head. But Lord, the things that you want to stick, I pray that those would really stick from your word and from your perspective and principles, Lord, so that we could have what we need to move forward and put our confidence in a place that is secure. Lord, we need your help. We ask you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. There, there's a lot more to those videos that we're going to share in a little bit. Uh, but just as they said, I mean, it, it is true. With sickness, all sorts of questions start flooding our minds when sickness strikes. Why? Why now? Why them? Um, why not them? Why, why them? Why not them? Now we're going to look at a psalm where someone is questioning, you know, why, why, why the bad people 
look healthy and why the good people get sick. Why? And so, or, or why me? What have, I, what have I done? Did I deserve this? Is this something I've done? And so there's all of these questions. And so for all of us here, the greatest, uh, you know, those questions swirl. For me, the, the greatest concern is really tied to those closest to me. And so here, for me, it's my family. Here's a picture of my family. This is my wife and my kids and then my parents. And these are the most precious people in my life. I love each one of them. And when they're sick, and I know this is probably true for you, you have your people. And, we, and, and when they're sick, you're, it, it's hard to be okay with that. It's hard to settle the nerves, settle the anxiety. It's hard to settle the issues that come up. And it's heavy for us. It's very heavy. Both of my sons have asthma, and so they've had that since they were very little. And so anytime their asthma flares up, uh, you know, I think, oh, we got it under control. But then there's a flare-up, and it's, it's, it can get out of hand quickly. Uh, one of my sons, my middle son, has a peanut allergy and a nut allergy. And when that, you know, that has created some frightening experiences for us. And, and you have to always be prepared. And sometimes, you know, you know, I'll be like, oh, shoot, where's that pen that we need? You know, and do we have that pen? If he's going to have a sleepover, he's going to be out of town. Did we remember the thing that, that he was supposed to have? And there's these concerns that we constantly have. Um, my father, he's the, he's the, you know, you can tell who my father is, I, I think. So. <laughs> similar height, similar build. <laughs> he, we found out about three years ago, we found out that he has a chronic leukemia in his body. And it, it has, thankfully, it's been remaining at a stage, a low state, it's stage zero, which I don't understand how this works. I'm like, well, if it's stage zero, wouldn't it mean it's not in his body then? But it's, I guess, the, it's in his body and it's just the, they're keeping an eye on his organs and watching for enlarged organs and watching his blood count. So he goes in for three-month checkups. And every time he does this checkup, the big question is, is for him, is, is, this, is this it? Is this the time where this is going to flare up? And I remember when we first heard about this, um, we were all at home. And my, my mom called and it was like, are you guys, it was one of those, are you guys sitting down talks? And I was like, oh, great. And uh, everybody, me and Erica both knew something was up. My dog started howling because she knew something was up, which was really strange. And, uh, you know, and, and just working through all of that. You know, I pray often for my dad almost every morning. I pray for him because I, I would love for him to be around for a long time. Someone pulled me aside last week and just said, hey, take the time you can with your dad. Get the time you can with him. And I appreciate that advice. And many of you can offer that same thing because you've lost loved ones and, and there's you, 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 you have many, many, many memories, but there's, there's many hopes, more than likely, that you had beyond what you got to experience. And so this is a difficult issue. And beyond this group of people, there are other people that are concerned, are concerns of mine. I mean, our, our church is full of concerns. Uh, a close friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he went through major surgery this year to remove a serious cancer from his body. He's doing well. But, you know, still, there's this great concern. We consistently have a very large stack of prayer requests from every Sunday that are health-related. And so when we go through the, the, the connection cards and we see all of those prayer requests, it's, there's a lot going on right here. And several people in our congregation right now are dealing with serious illnesses, some common, some very rare. 
I mean, this is not an easy subject to discuss. There certainly is not a pat answer to just suffice the questions. and to, There's no band-aids that can easily lay over this subject. And we can spend a lot of time on it because there's, this just runs right through a major cross-section of our church. And so with all of the possibilities it makes in life for a, like a white-knuckle ride as you're walking through health issues, you're just trying to hold on. And because we have question marks. And so I want to look at Psalm 73. We'll start here. We're going to move around a bit through the Psalms. And so Psalm 73 was written by a man named Asaph. And Asaph, he's complaining in this psalm. And I'm just going to give you a little snapshot of this psalm. But in the beginning, he's complaining about the prosperity of the wicked. And he compares his life of challenges and anguish to the wicked who all around him seem to be prospering. And he's like, that's not fair. Why am I going through it? And they seem like they're doing really well. So this is what he says. Look at Psalm 73, verse 4 and 5. He says, for they, speaking of, you know, wicked people that he sees in in the world around him, they have no pangs until death. A pang is like a cord or a, or a bond of hurt. There's no disorders, he's saying, in their lives. They seem like they're doing well. Their, body, their, their bodies are fat and sleek, meaning they're well-fed. They, they got it together. It seems like they're well-fed. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. This is, this is an exaggeration because the wicked are not exempt and he knows it. But this is coming from a deep point of frustration that he's experiencing. He's complaining. Why is it that they seem like they have no pain? Their bodies look good. They're well fed. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. He's having a major pity party. But he wrestles through the issue by the end of Psalm. He shifts gears and he begins to rehearse the truth about God. And here's what he says about God. He says, and this is on your listening guide. He says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. He's speaking to God here. You hold my right hand. We get this picture of God walking alongside him. He says, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. He's like, you walk with me through all of life. You counsel me. And then at the end, you receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When things strike out of the blue, the big question comes often to our mind, where's God at in the middle of all of this? And this passage expresses the solid truth. It's basically saying God walks through our sickness and our sicknesses and our illnesses with us. He is right there in the cold waiting room. He's right there. He's in the operating room. He's beside the hospital bed. He's at home when you're sick in bed. He, he's, he's with people through hospice. He's right there. He's helping us when we're even in a free fall. And he can literally be the strength of our heart. He's, he's, what, he's keeping us going. Notice the statement he said about, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. He's saying, Lord, you walk with me when my health is failing, and you teach me through it all. You counsel me. You're speaking to me. One of the major questions we ask about sickness is why? Why does sickness exist at all? Why, if God is powerful, why doesn't he just take sickness out of our human experience? The Bible tells us this, Romans 5, chapter 12. 
It reads, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Before sin entered the world, before Adam and Eve sinned, they would have lived forever and ever. They, but sin infected life. Sin infected. And Adam was the very first man. He was the head of the human race. And that means that his choice to rebel against God brought death into our world, suffering and sickness included. Now, Jesus Christ, he's the head of a, of a new people. And his death was the perfect sacrifice that brings eternal life to all who accept his gifts. So Romans 5.18, the passage goes on and Paul, Paul writes this. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that's speaking of Adam. Adam's sin, his trespass against God's boundaries, led to condemnation. Sin infected the world, the human race. Sickness, diseases, germs, all that came in through Sin entering the world. But it says, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, which is Jesus' death for us, one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Jesus rose from the, from, from the dead and he conquered the grave. But sickness it exists as part of the sin infection that struck planet Earth. That's why it exists. It's a temporary part of our human experience in this fallen and broken place until we move on to the next life. It's part of this world. It's not an issue in heaven. For those that, that, that are there, it's not an issue. There's no more sickness there. There's no more pain there. There's no more disease, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears. The Bible describes it in that way. But here's a major issue, and this is on your listening guide. Here's a major issue in regards to the health and sickness. And it's really a question, I guess, but it's a, it's a statement on here. But the question is, can you arrive at a place where you can trust God with the number of days? Can you arrive at a place where you can trust God with the number of days? At different levels, this is a really critical issue. To trust God. Have you done this? Have you settled the issue that God has numbered your days here on earth already? And David, I'm going to give you several examples of this. David, whose life hung in the balance many times, lived from a settled perspective in regards to God's involvement in his life from conception all the way to departure. He said, God, you're involved in it all. You know the number of days. So look at Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. It, it, it reads this. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. In my mother's womb, we see how God is involved in, in, in us. Even before we, you know, while we're in our mother's womb, God is involved. I praise you, he says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were numbered for me. You've numbered my days. It says, he says, when as yet there was none of them. So God can be trusted with the number of days on three levels I want to address. Number one is your own life. For my own life, can, can you settle that issue that God has numbered your days? 
If we can settle God's close involvement in our lives, then we know nothing that occurs in life is by chance. Nothing is outside of God's permitted plan. He, he's actually got a purpose for your life on earth. Every hour, day, week, month, year, decade, whatever God has decided and has, you know, he, he is very much, he's in, I love how David's describing how he's involved in all of it. He's involved in all of it. But this is, a, this is a major question mark. Is God this intricately involved in my life? Could he, could he care that much about, about you and I in that way? David's saying, yes, he does. Second, for my family. First, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, I trust you, God, with the number of days for my life. But then it's another, it's a whole other level to say that with my family. For your kids, for your siblings, for your parents. It can be frightening to know that all of us are just one phone call away from really bad news. Or maybe one doctor's visit away from really bad news. And if, if we never really settle this issue of, of trusting God with a number of days, then we live in constant panic for what that conversation may be like. Part, part of what I tried to do when, when I dedicated my children to the Lord was, you know, we, we have a ceremony up here and, and we... We have parents bring their kids up and as newborn babies and kind of just pray for them and make a commitment to the Lord. And, and part of that commitment is saying, God, I'm, I'm handing my child back over to you. You've entrusted me with this responsibility, but I'm, I'm saying, God, they're, they're really yours. You've numbered their days. And so for me, that really was, thank you, Lord, for giving them to me. Thank you for entrusting them, you know, to me. And right here and right now, I'm giving them back to you. God, you've numbered their days. And, but every time something, you know, every time they get sick or it gets really bad or, or something really risky comes up, man, the, the questions start coming to your mind. The what ifs. What would we do? Here's a picture of, of my son hopping onto a, well, just before he got onto an airplane, when he was 12, we sent him to Texas for a service project. And he, you know, like a, like a young man, you know, did this. He, he, he checked in. I coached him on what you're going to do when you get to the counter and what you're going to say and how you're going to handle security. And, and, and then there's going to be a certain point where I can walk through up to this point, but they're not going to let me onto the plane with you. So, you know, and he, we bought him a little a, a burner phone, you know, so he could get in touch with us. And, and, you know, the little throwaway phone that is a little flip phone. He hates the fact that he has a flip phone, but, but that's what he's got. <laughs> so, but, uh, but he's going there to serve this church. And, you know, it was an emotional experience. I didn't think it was going to hit me like it did. But, you know, I waited. Um, I waited until, you know, the gate opened and they let me sit in the, right by the, you know, I got to pass through security. So I'm sitting there waiting. And then, you know, his boarding group gets called and he, he, he heads off. All right, Dad, bye. And he just takes off. And I'm like, that's it? Bye? But, uh, you know, he, he, he goes and, and I'm taking pictures of my and I, I didn't bring those pictures. But and then he gets, you know, to where I can't see him anymore. And I'm just like, you know, it was emotional. And I kind of walked back and I walked to the window and I just stared at the window and waited for the plane to pull back and then launch. And, and but here's the thing. And I'm like, OK, as soon as you land, you call Todd and make sure he's there. And, you, you know, and then as soon as that happens, this is going to happen. And then you let me know. And it is an illusion to think that as long as he is in my care, 
or that he's really that safe. It's an illusion. The, okay, you know, he's here with me and now I'm going to hand him over to this guy, Todd, and then Todd's going to make sure he gets to this place. And it's an illusion to think that as long as the right people have him, that he's, that he's really that safe. All along, I, I've had to trust God, and you have to do this with your family. That God's going to help. God's going to care. God does care. God's going to, he's going to be working. He's going to be comforting. He's going to be restoring health. He's going to be, he, he's at work. He's involved. So the, and this is the way it is for those of you that have that have walked through difficult, difficult things. I know many of you have. In last service, I was thinking through how many in that room that I know have been dealing with sickness, or that people connected to them have been dealing with sickness, or have already passed away. And it's just a large, large number of, of people in our church. And you know, it's it's many of us. We watch your life as you walk through tragedy and sickness and illness and we're strengthened as we watch you trust God and, and for many of you you've released control God I, I can't control this but I trust I'm releasing control to you I know that you care you're involved because you've settled that issue it doesn't mean that there's not tears it doesn't mean it's not hard for you to say I trust God with a number of days for my family or for my own life doesn't mean that you don't shed tears it doesn't mean that you don't have really really low points you you can you you have to live with that tension now of I trust God with the number of days and I don't really like the way this feels. I don't like the outcome of this, but God, I know you're still good. And I've heard so many people in their own way say that. And that, that builds my faith. It builds the faith of so many here. Another category is the faith or the the life of others. Trust God with the number of days for others. Sometimes God people brings people into your life, their friends or someone that you you know, you really get attached to, and then they they get sick and they pass away. And then just like that psalm in Psalm 73, you, you ask the question, God, why them? There's, there was such a joy. There was such a help. There was such an encouragement. There was such a good friend. And, and then you see the wicked prospering, like what Asaph is saying in Psalm 73. Why not them? Why them? And again, we have to trust God with the number of days for others. Here's a picture of a man that was a part of our congregation. This is Vince, and he was a, a dear friend of mine, and he, a dear friend to many here. Uh, I'm, when I met him, he was he was homeless, and a guy from our congregation said, "Josh, I want you to call this guy. I used to be his coworker. He's homeless. He's living out of his car right now, but he's just down and out. He's depressed, and he's a he's a brilliant man." He said, "Would you just go?" So I met the guy at Star at Starbucks, and I just talked to Vince, sat there with him, we had coffee together, and, and uh, he shared with me about his sister. He was really grieving the loss of his sister, who had just passed. His mom had died um, years before that, and he was just, he never really swung out of the depression that he found himself in, and it just devastated him. And I sat with him and just got to know him, and I gave him, you know, I said, I, I didn't really bring all that cash with me. It really didn't. I usually don't bring a lot of cash with me, but I, I gave him what little I did have. I gave him a way to get in touch with me. I thought I'll probably never see him again. I prayed with him, and he showed up here on Sunday that week and got to know him. He became a Christian. Uh, the Lord brought him out of the deep depression that he was in and just really restored his his joy. And he, he used the, the remaining years of his life to really pour into people. Uh, as soon as it was so interesting to see the turn of events, like God, 
he was he was just so depressed he could not file the paperwork to get you know basic things taken care of and once he did and he got strength enough to start getting things in order money started coming in by the thousands of dollars per month because he he was a millionaire twice in his life but he lost it all because of his deep depression and so but he had so much pension that they just nobody knew where to send the money so he started getting all this money coming into his life and he had to spend it every month. And so he would take people in the church to, to, to dinner. He'd say, hey, like, call your friends and family and well, let's all go meet for, for this or that meal. And he, was just, he, he would just sit back there and he'd smile on his face. And he just, he just enjoyed blessing people in our congregation. He took one couple in the church to, um, to Hollywood and took them to see a Broadway flick. Got them dressed up really nice and took them down there and just, just was a blessing to people. And he did this in many different ways. And many of you... Here, you open up your life to him. He was like a family member for holidays, for birthdays. And I still remember the day that he passed. And I, was, I had just got done preaching, and I, I stepped down, and, and the gal uh, from our congregation whose house he was living at, there was a family that opened up a room to him to live there, and she said, we found Vince dead this morning at home. And it was such a, just, it was such a discouraging moment for so many of us. And... Uh, but his funeral brought so much peace and brought a lot of comfort, knowing he was no longer dying, he was no longer sick, he was no longer depressed, he was no longer battling the things he had faced. He had a new body, he had eternal life, and that brought so much joy and hope to us. This perspective from Psalm 139 is a very, very important issue. If we, if we can do it, at the bottom of your listening guide, if we, if we can turn to him, he can use all sickness for his purpose and for our good. Even the worst of it, he can use it for good. Here's some purposes on the back of your listening guide. I want to highlight three purposes. The first one is for the glory of God. One of the purposes of sickness is to bring God glory. God gets honored sometimes, many times I should say, through, uh, through the outcome of sickness. If God heals someone... They get better. Their health is restored. God gets glorified in the outcome. In the outcome, uh, people have nowhere else to, to give credit but to God. In the case of a man born blind, look at John chapter nine verses one through three. There's a man he'd been born blind. This is all he ever knew. He's blind at birth. Says this about him: As he passed by, Jesus is walking by. He's with his disciples, and he says he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, that means. Who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The story goes that Jesus, he's walking by. He, he sees this man. His, his heart is moved to compassion towards this man who wants to be healed. And he's begging for money. Jesus has compassion and says that Jesus spit on the ground. He goes and he grabs the saliva and the mud. He makes like a little bit of mud. He puts it in the guy's eyes and he says, go wash in this pool. It's like a holding tank for water. He says, go wash in this pool. And the man does exactly what Jesus says and he's, he's healed. His eyes, he opens his eyes and he's, I'm, I can see. And, and then he starts spreading the news all around the town saying, Jesus healed me. And everyone in the town is, is boggled because they're saying, well, that doesn't happen. That can't happen. 
And so everyone keeps questioning the man over and over. And he says, what happened to you? And the guy just says, I told you. I was blind and, and now I see. And they're like, no, no, no. But really, what happened? And then, and then a lot of people said, you must not be. Are you the blind man that begged over there by this gate? That's me. They didn't believe him. And then so they went and found the parents of the man and said, is this your son, the, the blind man? Yeah, that's our son. Was he blind from birth? Yeah, he was blind from birth. What happened? I, I don't know. But And he's like over in the background. I told you. I was blind. Jesus walked up, spit on the ground, rubbed it in my eyes, and I can see. It's, it's a pretty comical like narrative in the Bible. But it gives glory to God because as the man is healed, all of the attention, all of the credit goes to Jesus, which... which stirs up more and more interest in him. God gets the glory. Some of you, you have stories from your own background. There was no reasonable explanation as to why you got better, as to how you were healed, how your health was restored. And so the stories that follow sickness often point people to give glory to God. That's certainly one of his purposes. But as we know, many times sickness leads to death. And even in the case of the blind man who was healed, he eventually died. Every single one of us will one day die. And we, we've had several members of our congregation die, some tragically, some through old age, uh, some through sickness. And in some cases, the stories that follow their lives still are bringing glory to God. For those of you who are hurting right now, because many of you, as you've lost people in your life that were close to you, uh, the rest of us, we don't, we don't often know what to do, what to say, how to be a help. And the, the truth is, that many of us would say, God, we wish we could just take away the pain that you're in. We wish we could take away the pain, and we can't. Um, and what we can do, though, for people is to pray. We can sit with people. We can just be there. We can, we can listen to people. Not to fix anything. We can just allow people to, to be in the tension of, I am hurting, but I, I have settled the issue that God has numbered our days. I trust Him. And we can be with people. We can pray for them in the lowest points. I want you to see what Paul had to say. Paul, a major church leader who started many churches, he, he found himself at one point in prison. And while he's in prison, he's, he's at a point where he, he's pretty sure he's going to die. He's on trial, awaiting his execution. There's a slight chance he may get out of prison, but he's, he's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to die, if I'm going to live. He came to Christ as an older person. And then he poured out all of his life sharing his transformation story with others. He started sparking his life and his story started sparking new churches to, to begin in, in the region. But look at his perspective as he's in prison awaiting his trial. He says, for to me, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That right there is a really powerful statement. For to me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live, I'm Christ's. If I die, for, Paul says it's gain. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, if I'm to stay living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Like more work for God's kingdom, he's saying. More work, fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two. Life or death. He's like, I'm not really sure which is better. My desire, he says, is to depart and be with Christ. For that's far better. He said, he said, if I'm given the choice, I'd like to go be with Christ. I mean, he was an old man at, the, man at this point. He'd made a real difference with his life. But what he's saying is, I'm really torn, though. 
I'm torn. I want to be here on earth with all of you, Paul is saying, encouraging you to press on. I want to cheer more people on in their faith. I want to reach more people with this message of hope that Jesus has, has offered up his life so we could have new life in him. And Paul's saying, look, I've settled the issue that if God leaves me here on earth, if I get out of this prison, I'm going to live every day for Jesus Christ. I'll live to advance his kingdom and I want to pursue his mission. But he says, if I die, though, God takes me home through this and I'm executed. He's like saying even better. I'm upgraded. He sees that as an upgrade because he said, I get to be with Christ, my savior. Either way, he's saying my life is in his hands to the glory of God. For Paul, it was a settled issue. Here, here's, here's another purpose, though, in sickness. To, to grow our character, to grow our faith, to grow our commitment to Christ. Many times when we get sick, or when people around us get sick, we grow. We mature. We are, we're, we're strengthened. That doesn't mean that there's not pain, but there's growth. Most of our... Major maturity comes as we pass through testing and challenge. Without difficulty in life, what we do is we tend to rely on ourselves. But when we are at the end of ourselves, we, we, we look up. Often, Psalm 119, verse 71, this psalmist writes, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. See, there's things I learned in sickness, he's saying. It was, so, it was so good for me that I got to the point where I needed... I needed to look up. I needed to look to God. There's a maturing that goes on when we turn to God and rely on Him because we have no other options. He's our only hope. Many of you are here and you're living with some sickness or some illness, maybe a chronic issue. And what's more than likely happening is you're getting to know God on a much deeper level because of the pain you're in. Mature faith is often forced through the, the life and death issues and trials. One final purpose I want to highlight here is discipline. Sometimes we find in Scripture that God, he, he brings sickness as discipline. It's like a spanking, in a sense, for getting off track. Now, we don't always know which of these purposes, because many times, like in the, in the blind man, was this a result of sin? No. Jesus says, no. This was to glorify God. Sometimes God's just growing our character through sickness. Sometimes it's, it's, it's tied to sin, but it's not tied to our personal sin. It's more tied to the fact that we're humans and we're living in a sinful, broken world. And the effect of sin has in, impacted us on a very individual level. But David in Psalm 38, we're not, not going to look at the psalm just for the sake of time. David, he dealt with some, some, some physical sickness as a consequence from his sin with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and he did far more than that in that. Uh, deception, lying, there's some treachery, deceit, murder. All, it, it got really, really dark for David. Well, he was dealing with sickness now, physically in his body because of it. And in Psalm 38, we see him saying, God, I'm all ears. You've got my attention. I know I blew it. I'm wrong. I've sinned against you. I, I am. It's really bad. And, and for him, he's in Psalm 38, he's saying, my sin has so affected my body. My wounds smell so bad that my friends don't even want to come near me. God, please heal me. Please restore me. Please forgive me. And so the purpose here in Psalm 38 was that God was bringing discipline to David out of love for him because he was trying to restore him. He was trying to get David to get back on track. And David did. But if you're wondering... 
What do I do with that purpose? How do I know if what I'm walking through in my health or what they're walking through is tied to some sin or some discipline? What I would say about this is seek the Lord. Pray. Seek the Lord in prayer and ask God to show you. God, is there anything in my life that has brought about your discipline? And then if you find out that there is, that you'd respond to Him. Responding to Him is basically saying, God, I just want to get back on track. I, I confess this sin, this pattern of sin in my life, or this, this sin in my life, and I, I just want to get right with you. I'm not going to run from you. I want to turn to you. But many times, these different purposes uh, are very diff- they're difficult to really pinpoint what the exact purpose is or what, what's the reason for my sickness. It could be one of these or it could be any combination of these. And, and the reality is you may never really crack the code on what, what brought it upon. But these categories help us, I think, get, get a fuller understanding of, of this area of sickness and what God is doing through it. I want to end with this. I want to show you the, the perspective of, of Debbie and Nick and where they have landed um, in what they are facing in their own lives. Pray for healing, but wanted her to be healed completely and not this partial. I did question uh, why are why why you let this happen and uh, why aren't you answering my prayers? And uh, uh, I still wonder why, uh, but I know he has higher ways than, than me, and so I uh, the Lord didn't make her die. Uh, he chose not to heal her. It's hard to understand that, but I, I trusted him that he has his reasons. I realize all that he has done for us, and I thank the Lord for the amount of time I did have with her. I'm still going strong, so I, I live to try to figure out what to do next to accomplish what he wants me to do. And, uh, and uh, trust in him. I felt like we were strong enough, both my family and me, to do this. But none of the seven were viable um, donors. And um, the, the physicians couldn't believe that, that none of the seven were viable donors. And I think it was then that I turned to God because I felt like there was really no no other hope. And I feel like I have come to terms with the, the fact that eventually I'll go through this process again in God's time when the... My, my life comes to an end. And, and I trust God to, to do what He needs to do with my life. I have so much gratitude that God has led me on in a, in a way that I feel like I'm really getting to know Him. Um, and I've seen His faithfulness in, in my life. And He's changed me completely. And I'm completely faithful to the course He'll set for my life. I am grateful for what He's given me. He's given me more time. And He's saved me. More than anything, Those are just two stories um, 
Well, very, very hopeful stories and perspectives. And if you get a chance, if you see Nick and Debbie this week or next week and, and you know them, I'm sure they'd be encouraged to hear your thoughts on what they shared. But they really wrestled and got to a point where they settled some things on on how they were going to move forward. And, you know, I don't know if they had scriptures in mind, but I certainly hear other verses, you know, principles from the scripture coming out of what they shared and where, where they landed. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. But what, what's God been saying to you? I hope this has been a help to you as we walk through this. Uh, I love to, if, if you're struggling, our staff, myself, we'll be back. If you want to pray, if you're working through anything, if you'd just like some prayer, we'd love to pray for you. And so uh, a couple of next steps. One is commit, if you've never done this, commit all your future days to be lived for God's purposes. It could be that it's time to settle the issue and say, God, you've numbered my days. I trust you with all of them. I trust you. Or second, to express gratitude. You heard both Nick and Mary share just their gratitude for God and what God has given. Express gratitude for, for good health. If you're in good health right now, thank Him for that. Don't take it for granted. When God heals, it's not for selfish reasons that He heals us. He wants us to use our lives for His purposes, to serve others, to be a blessing and help to others. So let's pray as we... As we wrap up, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that we've shared, Nick and, and Debbie, and um, God, the, the difficulty that that was for them to share and open up about that, but the help that that brings. Lord, I pray that you bring the help that we need in this area today, this week, this month. God, just when we think we're doing okay, and then we... We, we swing low. Lord, would you help us, Lord, to, um, to move forward and to uh, acknowledge you in the process and to land on your truth, Lord, once again and again. Lord, help us through the years ahead, through the pain. For those that, that are just dealing with illness right now, Lord, I pray you would draw people to yourself. People, many would turn to you, God. As Psalm 1971 declared that in our affliction, in our anguish, that we would turn to you and learn your learn your ways. So God, may that be true of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.